0: Well, you've heard the words diversity, equity, and inclusion over and over and over. DEI, you hear it from the White House. You hear it from your corporation. You hear it from the media. And this standard, diversity, equity, and inclusion, according to Joe Biden's White House, has been infused in every aspect of American government. Now, what exactly does any of that mean? We've talked about it at length on the show before. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is essentially critical race theory boiled down to a friendlier piece of corporate boilerplate. Essentially, what it argues is that if you have a situation in which one demographic group is underrepresented in any particular industry or job, that must be the result of some sort of systemic discrimination or racism. So for example, if you don't have enough, say, black surgeons, that is because the surgical system itself discriminates against black people because in the sort of vision of Ibram X. Kendi, either everyone is equal in every possible way, which means that therefore, everyone should be equally represented in every industry. Or everyone is unequal, which means that you are a racist. Now, there is a a sort of halfway point between those two positions, which happens to be the truth, that people of all races and all individuality differ in their genetics. They differ in their environments. They differ in their culture, that all individuals are different. And that means that when you take a look at group averages, there are very few examples actually across all of humanity in which group averages are completely identical But we have to ignore that in favor of this DEI proposition. Why? Because DEI is a a gun pointed directly at the heart of the meritocracy. The meritocracy suggests that there should be objective metrics by which we succeed or fail. And the good news about meritocracy is that it means that if you succeed, it's because you are doing something better than someone else, which means that it's better for everyone else. The DEI idea innately means that people who are unqualified are going to advance in life by dint of the fact that they are considered a part of a victimized group. Now, why does this matter? It matters in pretty much every industry. It matters at universities where you've seen, for example, Asian Americans discriminated against because they are too high achieving in favor of people from other groups who have lower test scores. You've seen it in the government where you see people completely unqualified for particular offices appointed to those offices so as to establish some form of social justice. And now we see it in medicine. So, One of our producers, excellent researcher and producer Greg Ray, he helped us put this together. And it's an amazing, amazing story. DEI is not just present when it comes to your corporate hiring practices. It is also present in medicine. And that should frighten the living hell out of everyone, because all you care about when you go into the doctor is, is my doctor good at the medicining? Is my doctor good at taking care of me and making sure that I am healthy? I mean, this is an area where meritocracy should be the only thing that counts. Is my doctor likely to fix me or is my doctor bad at that job and got appointed because of extraneous merits? And it wouldn't matter what those extraneous merits are, whether they're intersectional or whether it's nepotism, it doesn't matter. All you care about when you get into that surgical bed is that the person operating on you should be good at that job. But surgery is now being impacted by DEI. Apparently, sources at Wake Forest Medical School are about to graduate Kaishel Del Rosario. She's a med student who injured a conservative patient and then bragged about it. Here's what she tweeted. This is back in March of 2022. Quote, I had a patient I was doing a blood draw on. See my pronoun pin and laugh loudly to the staff. She, her? Well, of course it is. What other pronouns are even are there? It? I missed his vein. So he had to get stuck twice. Snorting, laughing emoji. Now, that, of course, is an insane tweet. The idea being that if somebody disagrees with you politically, then you make them actually suffer because you are in the position of the doctor. Now, as our sources tell us, Wake Forest allowed Rosario to lay low and take a voluntary leave of absence when this scandal originally broke. And the, she was not actually expelled or suspended. And in fact, no apology was issued. Wake Forest went into full denial mode over all of this. Also, UPenn Health has hired Ewan Liu, who is Del Rosario's classmate, who also tweeted that it seemed, quote, karmatic when she injured the patient who mocked her pronoun pin. Wake Forest then showered Liu with awards for excellence in patient care. She now focuses on LGBTQ plus health. Here's what she tweeted at the time, quote, Heard this story firsthand weeks ago, and it seems like people are misinterpreting, understandably, from the phrasing. To clarify, the misstick was completely an accident and just seemed, quote, unquote, karmatic. She was kind and professional and would never harm anyone intentionally. We'll get some more on this in just one moment. First, I've been talking about my Helix Sleep Mattress for years. I've had that Helix Sleep Mattress for, I don't know, almost a decade It's great because it was made just for me. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Every night when I get into bed, I'm reminded how great they are. If you haven't already checked out the Helix Elite Collection, you need to. Helix harnesses years of extensive mattress expertise to offer a truly elevated sleep experience. That Helix Elite Collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, well, you don't have to be. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made? for somebody else. I took that Helix quiz. I was matched with a firm but breathable mattress, which of course has been serving me well for like a decade at this point. Plus, Helix has a 10-year warranty. You can try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Go check them out right now. Helix is offering 25% off all mattress orders plus two free pillows for my listeners. Head on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use code HELIXPARTNER25. It's their best offer yet. It's not going to last long with Helix. Better sleep starts right now. So first of all, the basic idea... That medical error is rooted in karma. That you quote unquote deserve it. If there is a medical error upon you because you have the wrong belief system, like say you believe in the actual scientific fact that there are men and there are women. That is a serious, serious problem. Also, according to our sources, both UPenn and Lose Medical School, Wake Forest, have attempted to hide Lose hiring. Wake Forest didn't actually list Lose Hospital and graduation materials. Penn does not list Lose Medical School on its website. Now, again, all of this is just the tip of the iceberg, right? This is one basic situation which no apology was issued for a bad tweet. You could theoretically imagine a situation in which these students, they said something dumb, but now they apologize for it because they realized that it was wrong to say it. But that's not actually what happened. And the bigger problem, of course, is that this sort of perspective, which is that left-wing social views or intersectional qualities make you a better doctor, this has become a widespread perspective in the field of surgery. So let's talk about an award-winning Duke surgical resident named Vignesh Raman. At an internal DEI lecture, Raman actually said that his heart sinks when he has patients who watch Fox News or wear MAGA hats. Here's what he had to say.
1: You know, the thing is we are in the South, right? And unlike a lot of the like hospitals in the Northeast or in the West, we serve a very Southern population. This is not a VIP hospital, people are not like flying in from qatar to get treated here we treat patients who are just from the community in the south and yes my heart sinks every time i go into a room and i watch them watching fox news or they have a manga hat on or they're wearing a confederate belt right i these are the patients that we treat but geraldine i i will say that the one very good thing about the South that I enjoy is exactly what I alluded to earlier, is that we don't treat VIPs. We treat people from our community. And our community, as as Auri explained, is majority non-white. And it is wonderful to treat such a diverse group of people in every regard. And that's not an experience that I had in my sub and in other places uh, or that my friends have training in other programs.
0: First of all, diverse meaning non-white is an amazingly euphemistic statement. (laughs) Diverse usually means, you know, a broad diversity of people. But now, of course, diversity means not white people. So first of all, when you have surgical residents who have won awards talking about their hearts sinking when they see somebody of a different political perspective, that should put up your radar a little bit. But that's not the bad part. The bad part is what Raman says next. So according to Raman, he says that post-George Floyd, Duke actually made a concerted effort to stop hiring so many quote-unquote walls of white men and that the team even learned to abandon particular metrics and adopt holistic application practices so as to recruit more women and more Latinx surgeons. Here's Vignesh Raman.
1: 2020 and George Floyd and those events happened and sort of collectively galvanized the consciousness of Duke University and certainly our department to try to do something and recognizing this like centuries-long history of racism and slavery in which Duke University essentially was founded, on which it was founded. And that's when we sort of had to confront uh, the, the history of the institution, the history of our department, the the, 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 the walls of white men uh, that are draped across our, our hallways and, and and that's when we we started to start to think that maybe something should change. something should change within ourselves uh, in, in in who comprises this department, in terms of the faculty, in terms of the residents, significant inequity in representation in our program. And it's something that we've been consciously, deliberately working hard to change over the last several years. Um, some of the things that we that we have done in addition to what Lillian presented, uh, I think the most important thing we've, we've done is really systemic changes to our recruitment process uh, to try to recruit diverse residents to our program and then to retain and support those diverse residents after they get to our program. So part of this has involved transitioning to a completely holistic review process that we spoke about earlier today, um, abandoning you know, all sort of metrics and screens, um, looking at people's life story and, and what brought them into surgery. Um, and then the other part of it is increasing the diversity of the people who read the applications. Right Because that's an important component of ensuring that we get diverse residents into our program. Um, and then once residents get here, um, how, do we, how do we support them?
0: So just to get that straight, he's literally saying that we are ignoring metrics in order to look at the life story of your surgeon. Now, I just have a question for you. You go in for an open-heart surgery, because God forbid you got a blockage in your artery. Do you ask for the surgeon's life story? Do you care about the surgeon's life story? Should you care? about the surgeon's life story? Or do you care a lot more about whether this doctor has a good track record of making sure that people who require a bypass actually get the bypass they need without dying on the table? It is insane for surgical residencies to take a look at people based on their life story as opposed to objective metrics of success. It's totally crazy. It's totally, by the way, this same person has also tweeted that he won't quote unquote amplify medical literature involving only white men. He tweeted out, this is July of 2020, quote, I would say even for academic publications, I don't want to amplify the work of white men who only collaborate with other white men. Well, there go most of the modern medical advances in human history. Like seriously, you're not going to actually take a look at the academic publications of white men working with other white men. Okay, first of all, that's racism. Second of all, these are the areas where merit matters most. And of course, again, even this guy is only one example of a bigger trend. This guy is the tip of the iceberg. The American College of Surgeons, the ACS, gave its 88,000 members, for example, a definition of racism that says it is literally impossible to be racist against white people. Here's what they said, quote, "Racism, racism is the marginalization and or oppression of people of color based on a socially constructed racial hierarchy that privileges white people. Racism involves one group having the power to carry out systematic discrimination through the institutional policies and practices of the society, And by shaping the cultural beliefs and values that support those racist policies and practices. That is the Ibram X. Kendi definition of racism. Racism is not just discrimination against a race. It is power plus discrimination against the race. And the only people we can ever deem to be powerful are white men. Which means that being racist against white people is totally fine. Not only is it fine, it is a corrective mechanism. So barring, for example, white men from getting into top-level surgical residencies as a corrective mechanism is somehow good now. And you put that pressure all the way down the system and what you're ending up with is fewer qualified people who are entering the system and more unqualified people going to top medical schools. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, can you believe St. Patrick's Day is almost here? Recently, a lot of businesses have had little luck hiring top quality employees. Fortunately, if you are a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology leads you to that pot of gold for top talent. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology shows you qualified candidates. Once you review your list of qualified candidates, you can easily invite your top choices to apply, so they will likely apply sooner, and you will fill that role faster. ZipRecruiter can help you. Today is your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just head on over to ZipRecruiter.com/slash/dailywire and hire the way that we do. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address and try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Again, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Hire the smart way with ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire and try them out for free. That same American College of Surgeons invited a person named Madeline Torres to explain to its members that when patients see physicians who look like them, they tend to do better and suggested that grants and awards be distributed to surgeons on the basis of their intersectionality
2: where we're seeing evidence that diversity leads to improved outcomes with our patients. We know that a lot of data that when patients see physicians that look like them, they tend to do better. They tend to have better compliance, their outcomes are better. And medicine has really lagged behind in a sense in representing the population that we served. Um, so for example, the Association of Women Surgeons has a partner with the Latino Surgical Society and created liaison positions so that we have a word or say at the table in terms of what kind of what's important for our membership. Association for Academic Surgery does that. Sages does that. SAT is doing that. The other thing that they're focused on, which I think is phenomenal, is they have um, developed grants and awards specifically for underrepresented minorities.
0: Again, these sorts of happy-talking, nonsensical phraseologies, all of this stuff is one thing in the synergistic corporate boardroom. It is another thing when you are talking about The Surgical Room. There's a recent conference on DEI at Penn where you and Lou now works. One surgeon explained that it was off-putting that so many surgeons were quote-unquote white men.
2: You know, it's, I think surgery in general has been, you know, a predominantly white and male-dominated field, and that can be very um, off-putting and intimidating for somebody. Um, And I, you know, unfortunately, I think we've probably lost, you know, many brilliant minds just for that reason. They don't feel like they belong. They feel like they're an other. And I think even once you're here, you can very easily feel like an other just because you don't look like or share a lot of the same experiences as your peers.
0: Okay, you know what makes somebody feel like an other? If you literally say that they are an oppressor class and therefore should not be part of your surgical residency. These same doctors go on to explain, that surgery requires something like the NFL's Rooney Rule. So the Rooney Rule is a rule in the NFL that you must interview a certain number of black applicants to a position before you're actually allowed to hire. So they're saying that teams should be forced to interview minority candidates regardless of qualifications.
2: Uh, I published years ago that the Rooney Rule, um, the rule that they use in the NFL, should be applied to academic medicine and academic surgery in particular. Um, if you thought some of the comments most recently about DEI efforts were are challenging and inflammatory now, you can imagine a decade ago. That being said, it still needed to be discussed. So I think the lens of who else is out there, let's reach a little further, not down, but out um, pertaining to candidates that we need to consider is probably the way that it it needs to go, Sanford, in my opinion. I think there also needs to be some Um, accountability or some, um, you know, credence put on diversity initiatives, put on the diversity work that you may or may not be doing, or the diversity of your department or the diversity of something. Because certainly if you've published 75 manuscripts in an abbreviated amount of time, absolutely. But the Rooney Rule, which we know doesn't work very well, since there's not that many Black you know, um, head coaches is also that they, they just have to interview them. They don't have to hire them and they don't have to actually think about them, you know, on the same level, they have to interview them. And so I think that still, we're still in the same issue that if the white man or, or, you know, the the white male chair is picking their successor or picking whoever it is, they're still going to gravitate towards the white male, whatever. And so the Rooney rule, I think is great. But it needs to go one step further and and i'm sure that that's not going to be incredibly popular out in the world but but it's true because we know that just interviewing them isn't enough because they're still not getting picked
0: so people must be forced to select forced to select black candidates or minority candidates or whomever forced to pick that i love the fact that we are now living in this orwellian world where she can assume that if a white chair of a medical association picks, say, an Asian person to replace them, that that is, in effect white supremacy done through unconscious bias. But if they openly pick somebody for race, then that is somehow a corrective. In other words, you have to assume that the entire system is evil in order for you to per- perpetuate your own evil, which is to select people not on the basis of merit. And she literally says that it's one thing if you have 75 publications or whatever. But what about people who don't have 75? Pu- what about the people who are just incompetent? Why shouldn't they have a shot at being chief medical resident at Harvard? Why not? What, what, what exactly is the problem? Well, I mean, listen, here's the problem. The problem is that the third leading cause of death in the United States is medical error. That is the third leading cause of death. There are enough mistakes that get made in the operating room or in doctor's offices all around the country already. The last thing that you need is to specifically go out of your way to put unqualified people in positions of power based on their race. And whenever people say this sort of stuff, there's an accusation that what you're saying is racist. No, what I am saying is the opposite of racist. I am saying merit should decide. Merit should decide. The people who are advocating for DEI in these professions, they are the racist. They're explicitly saying that race is the only relevant factor that should be able to overcome merit. Again, this is dangerous stuff because people die all the time in hospitals. People die all the time from medical malpractice, from medical error. And going out of your way as a medical school or as a college of surgeons to suggest that DEI ought to be a governing principle, there ought to be only one governing principle and one governing principle alone. And that governing principle ought to be the merit of the doctor. That's it. There is no other governing principle. As a patient, that is what I care about when I put my kids in the care of a doctor or a surgeon, God forbid. The only thing I care about is whether that person is going to be able to take care of me or my kid. I do not care at all about the race of the person. And the fact that that colorblindness is now seen as racism and that the corrective to that is actual racism is totally insane. It's going to get people killed. It legitimately will get people killed. You have incompetent people in positions of power specifically because of DEI. And that particular philosophy is not, of course, relegated to the practice of medicine. We get to more on this in just one moment. First, got to tell you, Black Rifle Coffee may be keeping me alive and moving at this point. My kids are waking me up at all hours of the night, and so I'm heavily reliant on Black Rifle Coffee. Also, the coffee is really good. You get 20% off your first order with promo code Shapiro BlackRifleCoffee.com. You'll see why they are becoming one of America's most popular coffee companies. Black Rifle Coffee is veteran-founded and veteran-run. They take pride in serving coffee and culture to people who love the country. When you shop with a Black Rifle Coffee, your money goes a long way toward giving back to those who serve our nation. Every purchase you make helps fuel their mission to support veterans and first responders. This includes everything from getting much-needed equipment to first responders to helping veterans fight cancer and more. Black Rifle Coffee sources exotic roasts from award-winning farms worldwide. They offer a wide variety of ground coffee, whole beans, K-cups, ready-to-drink coffee for those who like their coffee on the go. I can confidently say Black Rifle Coffee is simply the best. But don't take my word for it. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com right now. Get 20% off your purchase with code Shapiro. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com. Promo code Shapiro. Again, best coffee in the business. BlackRifleCoffee.com. Get 20% off your purchase with code Shapiro. It's a horrifying story over the weekend. According to CNN, there has been a suspect in the killing of an Augusta University College of Nursing student at the University of Georgia campus in Athens. The young woman's name was Laken Hope Riley. Who is was a junior on the dean's list at Augusta University. According to the University of Georgia Police Chief Jeff Clark, it was a crime of opportunity by an individual who woke up with bad intentions. So who exactly is the alleged murderer? Well, the police are recommending charges against a 26-year-old, including felony murder, false imprisonment, kidnapping, and concealing the death of another in Riley's killing. Who exactly was the suspect? Well, it turns out that the suspect was, wait for it, An illegal immigrant. This person. Is undocumented. Apparently, according to a member of the Georgia legislature, the suspect was in the country illegally, having crossed the border in El Paso, Texas in 2022. He was apprehended at the border and released into the United States. Now, Again, that is the catch and release program the Biden administration has put in place. This is all about DEI. Remember, diverse people get to break the law. That's the way that this works. The suspect was arrested in Queens, New York for an injury to a child and having no license. That was in September of 2023. But again, New York City also has a DEI policy whereby they've decided that crime, an objective metric, is no longer sufficient to decide whether someone ought to go to jail or be deported. If too many black or Hispanic people are being arrested and or deported, well, that must mean that the system is broken and we have to get rid of the metric itself. The suspect and his brother were cited in Athens, Clark County in October of 2023 for shoplifting. The suspect even had an outstanding bench warrant as of December 2023 for failing to appear in court on the shoplifting charges. The suspect's brother was charged yesterday by federal authorities for possessing a fraudulent green card. The suspect's brother was arrested in Athens, Clark County in September 2023 for a DUI, driving without a license, speeding open container and failure to yield to an emergency vehicle and was arrested again in December. So Joe Biden has taken up DEI at every level of his administration. And that means with regard to immigration policy as well. And people are dead because of it. That is not to say that the vast majority of people who are crossing the border are criminals, other than the illegal crossing of the border. It is to say that when you let people in and you don't vet them and you have no idea why they're here, and then you arrest them multiple times and release them without deporting them, people lie. This should be very obvious stuff. ICE put out a statement as well. They say that the... 26-year-old citizen of Venezuela was arrested by CBP September 8th, 2022, after unlawfully entering the United States near El Paso, Texas. He was paroled and released for further processing. On September 14th, 2023, he was arrested by the NYPD and charged. He was released by the NYPD before any detainer could be issued. And then on February 23rd, 2024, ERO Atlanta encountered this person pursuant to his arrest by the University of Georgia Police Department and being charged with murder and other crimes. And finally, ERO Atlanta lodged a detainer. This is the pure and obvious outcome of a horrific immigration policy undertaken by this administration. None of this had to happen. You know how we know it didn't have to happen? Because Joe Biden is now considering taking executive action to stop it from happening. Joe Biden now wants to change the definition of asylum at the border so as to reject people at the border rather than processing them and letting them into the country for an unspecified period of time. Tammy Duckworth, very liberal senator, She says that she would back Joe Biden's executive action to stop asylum claims, which, by the way, is in and of itself a tacit admission to all of the charges Republicans have been making about bad Democratic immigration policy.
2: The Biden administration is considering using executive action to make it harder for migrants to claim asylum. Would you support that? I would support that because we do have a crisis at the border. Uh, But I also think that something Donald Trump tried. Well, you know what? Donald Trump has, has backed away from this as part of that package. There was more money. For a whole bunch of things to include a a, a a worker program so that people could actually go to work uh, while they're waiting for their case to be adjudicated. I think that is critically important. Is a work permit for folks who come here and they want to work. Well, let's put them to work. I've got the ag industries looking for workers, retail is looking for workers while they're waiting for their. Let's let allow them to work. So they're in that compromise. It's exactly that. There was stuff that fixed the, uh, the border problems, but also allowed us to let to be humane about how we take care of the migrants who are here.
0: Again, even Democrats are now realizing what a political liability this is, and they should. President Trump was on the attack about this over the weekend. He was speaking at CPAC and he had talked about Joe Biden's immigration policy. And so it's, it's funny to watch Democrats decry Trump for saying what is obviously true here.
3: We have a new category, migrant crime, and it's going to be more severe than violent crime and crime as we knew it. Because we have millions and millions of people and they came from prisons and jails. They came from mental institutions and insane asylums. No, they're not the same thing. An insane asylum is a mental institution on steroids, okay? It's uh, Silence of the Lambs, okay? You know that. Hannibal Lecter. They're all being deposited into our country and then you have terrorists and then you have drugs and then you have human traffickers and they're coming over at levels never seen before we've never seen anything like this
0: the people who are getting outraged about trump saying stuff like that seems to me should be a lot more outraged about the fact that you know illegal immigrants sometimes kill american citizens and they shouldn't be here that's what's truly outrageous i talk about preborn a lot on this show that's because i believe in their mission preborn's network of clinics is saving as many babies as possible from the clutches of abortion Their clinics are located in the darkest corners of the nation where the majority of abortions are taking place. Preborn offers these expecting mothers free ultrasounds. They believe when a mom hears her baby's heartbeat on the ultrasound, she usually chooses life. And that's true. It's an amazing transformative experience to use ultrasound. I have four kids who met all of them long before they were born via ultrasound and now... Preborn is helping expectant moms do the same. They rescue 200 babies every day, but by the time this message is done, two more babies will have lost their lives. Abortion giants aren't going to stop. We need everyone to say enough and help fight to save these unborn children. If you have the means, would you consider a leadership gift to save babies in a big way? A tax-deductible donation of five grand will sponsor Preborn's entire network for 24 hours helping to rescue two babies. To donate securely, dial pound 250 say keyword baby. That's pound 250 say keyword baby or go to preborn.com slash Ben. Again, that's preborn.com slash Ben. And this is what Trump is banking on for his reelect is that bottom line is Joe Biden has been a terrible president and people have paid the price because Joe Biden is a terrible, terrible president. At CPAC, President Trump was saying that Joe Biden is directing the country toward collapse. And certainly when you look at the fact that at least 7.2 million people were encountered at the border under Joe Biden. Millions more were not encountered. So anywhere between 7 and 10 million people have probably entered the country illegally since Joe Biden took office. I mean, those are awful numbers. And Trump is right to point it out,
3: obviously. If crooked Joe Biden and his thugs win in 2024, the worst is yet to come. Our country will go and sink to levels that were unimaginable. And just think about it. With four more years of Biden, the hordes of illegal aliens stampeding across our borders will exceed 40 to 50 million people. Medicare, Social Security, health care, and public education will buckle and collapse. It will collapse. As sure as you're sitting or standing there, it will collapse. Our economy will be starved of energy by Crooked Joe's vindictive Green new scam. It's a Green News scam. It'll be the destruction of our country. It is indeed a scam, and most of them know it. Some of them, the fools, believe it, but most of them know it.
0: Okay, so President Trump, the the media are trying to convince you that you should be so scared of President Trump's policy proposals. That's what you should be scared of. So they're taking two tacks with regard to Trump. One is crazy orange man bad. And the other is his policies are so scary and so terrible. The problem is that Joe Biden's current policies are so bad that Trump's pledges to reverse those policies are so incredibly sane by comparison. I mean, Trump Politico is threatening us with a good time. So Politico has an entire piece titled Beyond Shock and Awe Inside Trump's Potential Second-Term Agenda. From nationwide abortion bans to classroom culture wars, assaults on climate science and political weaponization of the military, his return to the White House could make Trump 1.0 seem tame. Well, I mean, can we be frank about something? Trump 1.0 was tame. It was extremely tame. (laughs) Trump 1.0 in terms of policy was sane and tame, which is why as of 2019, before the COVID pandemic, we had a booming economy, peace on the foreign front and a fairly high level of domestic tranquility. I noticed all of that. Why? Because it was pretty sane. So if you're threatening me with more sanity, I don't know that that's much of a threat. According to Politico, trying to scare the hell out of you, both supporters and critics of the ex-president predict a re-elected Trump would wage a more focused and aggressive attack on the status quo. I mean, I can only hope so. This time, they say, he'd be far more knowledgeable about the mechanics of wielding executive power. Having placed so many conservatives in federal judgeships, he would face less resistance from the court. And he would be more determined to place loyalists, not rules-obsessed traditionalists, in senior roles. Well, my guess is that he would actually be more, he would be more interested in making sure that people who are lower down on the food chain were people who weren't attempting to, you know, destroy his presidency from within. So what exactly is so scary? Apparently, he is talking now about a 16-week abortion ban. That is something that he is pushing. A 16-week... That, by the way, is way later than virtually every country in Europe. That's supposed to scare people? He apparently also wants to go after federal climate science and ensure it can't be used to guide government policies, which, um... Let's be clear about this. It shouldn't be guiding executive policy if the legislature wants to make decisions to cripple the American economy based on the gradual warming of the climate over the next 100 years using measures that will not markedly decrease that warming and are heavily reliant on foreign countries to do the same. Let the legislature do that and let let your legislators be punished for it. Why should the executive branch be responsible for doing all of that? Trump also is going to target China. He's going to put tariffs on China he said economic security is national security. China does not allow American companies to take over their critical infrastructure. America should not allow China to take over our critical infrastructure. He said he would impose a four-year plan to phase out all Chinese imports of essential goods, everything from electronics to steel to pharmaceuticals. I mean, again, w- show me the lie. Where is the problem with that? Do you want to be reliant on Chinese pharmaceuticals? What happens when China invades Taiwan? What happens when the ability of Americans to get vital goods goes away because we didn't prepare for the possibility of that. Politico is also trying to scare you that he's going to wage a classroom war. Again, this is one of the left's favorite games, is that they declare war on something perfectly innocuous, like a classroom, by trying to sexualize children. And then when you say no, you're waging a classroom war. And this is all the stuff that's supposed to be scaring you? I got to tell you, I don't seem so scared about all of it. I don't seem super scared about it. Also, apparently... They're saying that Donald Trump is going to deploy U.S. troops against Americans. Uh, Well, no, actually, what he said is that if there is a riot, he might call the National Guard, which is pretty sane to me. And as far as the notion that he's going to abandon NATO, that's not true. What he says is that the members of NATO need to pay their fair share. He doesn't mean that the United States is going to stop being a member of NATO. And by the way, it's worked. The members of NATO are upping their own defense spending and he's going to loosen the reins on crypto, God forbid. Oh, no, we have to make sure the government can stand. like this is what the, the Democrats are trying to scare you with. That's not going to work. They're going to have to resort to prong number one again, which is Donald Trump crazy person. Now, this does not mean that Trump has a, a clear path ahead for the presidency. There's a primary over the weekend in South Carolina. We're going to get to that in just one second because it shows you kind of the strategies that are being attempted by both sides, Democrats and Republicans. It's really focused on what we would call the low propensity voter. We'll get to that in just one second. First, folks, as we're talking about, when you talk about what the left is doing in the classroom, it's not just in the classroom. They're also doing that with regard to children's entertainment. It is amazing how they are infusing a bunch of left-wing propaganda into entertainment directed at your kids. Disney is doing this. Nickelodeon is doing this. This is why you need Bent Key. We made you an entire app just for your kids to make sure that your kids can get entertaining, awesome content that is going to inculcate a system of values in them as opposed to a system of anti-values that is being pushed by so much children's TV. Start a 14-day free trial right now to Key. It's the new kids entertainment app from the Daily Wire, the only streaming app that offers high-quality, family-friendly shows that actually reflect your values. BentKey features amazing characters, timeless stories that will spark your kids' imagination and curiosity. We've got hundreds of episodes your kids will love and you can trust. And every Saturday morning, there are new episodes. You can try Bent Key for free, 14 days, no catch, no gimmick, no hidden fees. Just check it out. Awesome content your kids will love. You can trust my own kids watch it. If I trust my kids with it, you can certainly trust your kids. All you have to do is use code UNLOCK at bentkey.com. You'll get 14 days of unlimited access to Bent Key's world of adventure. Go to bentkey.com, use code UNLOCK at sign up to start your trial today. Okay, meanwhile, so Donald Trump right now has the advantage. There's no question that he has the advantage in this election, and that's not really because of Trump so much as it is about Joe Biden. Right now, in the Real Clear Politics polling average, Donald Trump is running fully 1.9 points ahead of Joe Biden. At this point in the last election cycle, Joe Biden was running nearly five points ahead of Donald Trump. And of course, he only narrowly beat him in the Electoral College. According to the brand new Harris X poll that is out over the course of the last few days, Trump is up four. According to Economist YouGov, Trump is up one. According to Morning Consult, Trump is up four. If Trump is up in the popular vote, Trump's winning the election. If Trump's even within a point in the popular vote, Trump is going to win the election. So Trump is in pretty good shape. But He does have a problem. The problem that he has is, can he get low propensity voters to the polls? Because the Republican Party has traded high propensity voters for low propensity voters. That's one of the things that has happened. Now, Democrats have sort of done the same. It's really weird. Both parties have decided that the median voter, the high propensity median voter is no longer a person worth pursuing. So if you look at the rates of voter turnout, it's not just, can you get a certain percentage of a a population base to vote in your favor? Right, what percentage of whites or blacks or Latinos vote in your favor? It's how often those groups vote. Are they high propensity voters or are they low propensity voters? And what you see is that in the United States, there are wide disparities between different groups based on age, based on race, based on education, based on family income, and who is a voter and who is a non-voter. Huge disparities. So if you take a look, for example, at 2022, right, the last election cycle, what you will see is that among voters, the number of, of 18 to 29s was really, really low. 27% of 18 to 29s did not vote in the 2022 election. Only 10% did. The same thing was true of 30 to 49-year-olds. 37% of 30 to 49-year-olds did not vote. They were represented 37% of the non-voters, rather. They represent only 26% of voters. So the overrepresented groups in terms of people who vote versus people who don't vote are people age 65 plus. People who are age 65 plus definitely benefit Trump. So those are higher propensity voters. However, there are other cross-cutting considerations. So for example, voters in 2022, whites are overrepresented in terms of being high propensity voters. 75 percent, 75 percent of voters in 2022 were white compared with 55% of non-voters. 9% were black, 9% were Hispanic, 3% were Asian. Hispanics are wildly underrepresented. They're a very low propensity group. So if you are a Republican, you're he- you're counting on heavy Latino turnout to jog you to victory, or if you're a Democrat doing the same, those that's a low propensity voting group. Black Americans typically are a, are a low propensity voting group. When it comes to education, however, You take a look at it. So whites overrepresented, old people overrepresented. But when it comes to education, who are those people? They tend to be college graduates. So if you are a high school or less voter, that would be a lot of Trump white voters are high school or less. Very low propensity voters. Only 25 percent of voters in 2022 had a high school degree or less in terms of education compared to 43 percent of the people who did not vote. If you have some college, then you're pretty much equally likely to vote and not vote. If you are a college grad or a post-grad, you're significantly more likely to vote. So this is why, for example, Democrats are are focusing in on the views of their college-educated white ladies in the suburbs. Those are very high-propensity voters. But they're then accompanying that with low-propensity voters, black and Hispanic voters in major urban areas, for example. That's a weird coalition. Meanwhile, Republicans have also built a weird coalition. Their weird coalition is high propensity voters, namely old white people, but also very low propensity voters, namely high school educated, poor white people who are also less likely to vote. So you have a coalition in both parties of some high propensity voters and a lot of low propensity voters. So the question is, how do you get your low propensity voters to vote? That's the real question because neither party can afford to lose a lot here. Okay, so, If you are Donald Trump, how do you get those low propensity voters out to the polls? Well, Donald Trump actually does have a habit of getting low propensity, high school educated white males, for example, out to vote in broader numbers. Can Joe Biden do the same with minorities? It's the reason right now why he's trying to capitulate to Hamas. It's the reason why he's playing footsie with the the radicals in Michigan. It's the reason why he refuses to take measures that would crack down on illegal immigration up till now. He's trying to to please a low propensity voting group, young people, very low propensity voting group. He's trying to please those people and low propensity voting groups like like black Americans. He thinks that if he caters to that voting group, they will show up in broader, low propensity means likelihood to vote. Right, typically the way that you win an election, if you wanna win an election, you get everybody who's like 60% or up in terms of voting for you to get to the polls. And then you convince everybody who's like 40% or up on voting for you to get to the polls. Those would be independent very often. People who vote a lot, but you're not sure which way they're gonna vote. Nobody is aiming at the median voter anymore. It's pretty impressive how everyone is steadfastly ignoring the median voter, which is, for example, why Nikki Haley polls really well in general election terms, because she's kind of, in terms of her positioning, she's actually closer to quote unquote the median voter. Now, does that mean that she would ever win a primary inside the Republican Party? The answer, of course, is no, which is what happened in South Carolina the other day. So in South Carolina, Donald Trump blew Nikki Haley away. He won a 20-point victory over Nikki Haley in South Carolina's Republican primary. That, of course, is where she was the governor. That was her home state. Americans for Prosperity Action told its staff Sunday it would stop supporting her financially. So this race is effectively over for her. She doesn't have the money to keep running. She says she's going to continue to stay in. I assume the reason that she is staying in is because she believes That if she stays in and if Donald Trump gets the nomination, then he loses. She's going to be able to say, listen, I offered you an alternative. Try me. Give me a shot next time around because she obviously isn't going to win the nomination. This time, here's Nikki Haley.
4: I said earlier this week that no matter what happens in South Carolina, I would continue to run for president. I'm not giving up this fight when a majority of Americans disapprove of both Donald Trump and Joe Biden.
0: Okay. And then she says that Donald Trump drives people away. And by polling data, she is correct. that Donald Trump is a highly polarizing figure that given Joe Biden's myriad failures as president of the United States, Trump should be up 10 points over Joe Biden at this point, even though he is up very slightly in the polls right now. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, you may have noticed we're experiencing a ton of global instability as primary season continues. How are you protecting your family in the midst of all of this chaos and nonsense? The fact is, there is one asset that has withstood famine, war, political and economic upheaval, dating all the way back to biblical times. That, of course, would be gold. It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out, balanced investment strategy that'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text Ben to 989898 for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating, with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Smart investors diversify. And when you look at the pace of inflation over the past several years, you can see financial instability is the new way of the world. Text Ben to 989898 to get started with Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898 and talk to my friends over at Birch Gold. So what can Trump do to fix that? We'll talk about that in a second. Here is Nikki Haley.
4: This has never been about me or my political future. We need to beat Joe Biden in November. I don't believe Donald Trump can beat Joe Biden. Nearly every day, Trump drives people away including with his comments just yesterday.
0: Okay, that may very well be true. Trump himself says that he has never seen the Republican Party as unified as it is right now, but that obviously is not true. I mean, he is the incumbent president. He only won, when I say only, that's a big victory, 20 points, but theoretically he should win 80-20, not 60-40. That means that 40% of the people who voted in the South Carolina primary did not want Trump. Now, it is an open primary. There are Democrats who are voting in that primary, but Not everybody who voted for Nikki Haley is a Democrat. Here is Trump talking about the unity inside the party.
3: Now there's a spirit that I have never seen. We ran two great races, but there's never been, ever, there's never been a spirit like this. And I just want to say that I have never seen the Republican Party so unified as it is right now. Never been like this.
0: So what is Trump's strategy going to be here? Well, some people think that he's going to try to diversify out his base by picking somebody like Tim Scott for vice president. I think the answer here for for Trump really is that I I think that he figures he's got everybody in the low propensity category who's going to vote voting. Maybe he tacks to the middle in terms of position and hopes that that independent voter breaks for him. What it seems like he's really counting on more than anything else is for Biden not to be able to turn out the low propensity voter. That's not a terrible bet. It just means the election is gonna be really, really close. When you're betting on the other side to fail, as opposed to yourself to succeed, that can be a very serious problem. It also doesn't help when you have people like Mike Lindell, who's obviously a big Trump backer, out there telling people not to vote by mail. Like, just, dude, stop, stop. If if you want Trump to win, you need Republicans voting by mail and you need them voting early. Like, just get them to vote.
3: But here's
2: what we're loaded for now that we had that we didn't have then. The RNC, yeah, they got a lot of problems, but one of the things that they did do when I ran for RNC chair last year, what came out of that this August, the RNC passed a resolution, paper ballots, hand counted, same day voting, no early voting. Um, and by the way, anybody that tells you to vote early is wrong. You vote same day. I'm telling you that it it's harder for them to cheat.
0: Okay. Uh, or vote early. Or, you know, get your ballot counted like now. Because Democrats will. Okay, meanwhile, in the best media story of the weekend, Chaya Reich, who's Libs of TikTok, she actually sat down with Taylor Lorenz. Now, Taylor Lorenz happens to be a faux reporter who spends all of her time these days basically tracking down Chaya Reich. It's like what she spends all of her time doing. So she is a columnist for The Washington Post. She used to report for The New York Times. And she has been spending all of her time trying to basically blame Chaya for anything bad happening in the country. That if somebody follows Chaya on on her Twitter account, and all Chaya does on her Twitter account is like expose people on the left for doing what they're doing. It's amazing to me, the hatred for Chaya for literally taking videos of people on TikTok and then just exposing them to a broader audience. It's not like she's breaking secret video. These people are putting up videos of themselves talking about transing the kids. She takes it. She grants a broader exposure and suddenly people react. Again, it is just that stupid left wing game writ large of, oh my God, you notice that means you're bad. Well, now there's a 53 minute long interview with Chaya Raichek between Taylor Lorenz and Chaya Raichek, in which Chaya really kind of shellacks Lorenz because she asks her, you know, you seem to think, for example, that It's okay to show pornography to children in classrooms. You seem to think that it is fine to blame me for all of the activities of people who follow me, which is a weird thing for anyone in journalism to believe. So here is uh, Taylor Lorenz. By the way, she's wearing a mask outdoor in 2024. Like, come on, this is this is not a this is not a sane and rational human being.
5: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm wondering, like, like why you don't speak up about the sexualization of kids. I don't think it's a problem I don't
6: see I guess I don't see as much if I saw an example of a child being sexualized of course I have a problem with you know certain things I, I will I will actually you know I will so say do you I, think
5: we should give kids porn in school the, the images of like gay sex and- I so I had public again I went to public
6: school and in public school at least when I was growing up we were absolutely given um, literature you know explaining sex educating It had
5: pictures of, like, anal sex?
6: Oh, absolutely. And it actually talked about condom use. What grade? God, I mean, I don't remember, but certainly probably middle school. I think that's when we had sex ed. Um, So you
5: think, like, books like Gender Queer, this book is gay, we should give that to kids in school? I have not read those books, so I don't know. But I do think that it's important to educate kids
6: about sexuality.
0: Okay, it's very important for teachers to educate small children about sexuality. By the way, she's lying. Taylor Lorenz is, like, 65 years old. She refuses to say her age, by the way, which is hysterical to me because she's still covering the kids. So she refuses to say how old she, she actually is, Taylor Lorenz. And, and I, I, for those who can't see the clip, Chai is hysterical. She's wearing sunglasses and a t-shirt of Taylor Lorenz crying, <laughs> which is pretty spectacular. In any case, um, no, the answer is no. So I also went to public school. I assume that Taylor Lorenz is around my age range. And I can tell you that the other kids in my class in the sex ed class, we're not being exposed to graphic pictures of anal sex. That was not a thing. It was not a thing in 1997 or whenever it was that I was in middle school. Not not, not a thing. And yet she claims that it is. And then Taylor Lorenz claims that, you know, if parents want a kid to chop off their genitals, that's fine too. And these are the people who represent you in the legacy media. They're out of their minds.
5: Some of your audience says we should chop off kids' body parts. How do you think? What do you think about that? I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like a girl says she wants to be a boy, so she chops off her breasts.
6: I'm a big, uh, you know, I believe in personal liberty and bodily autonomy so, personally. So kids should be able to cut off their breasts if they think that they're boys. I mean, I believe in gender ideology. I guess I, I personally, my, my feeling is that I believe in personal liberty.
0: She believes in personal liberty for 13 and 14 year olds and for parents who wish to destroy their children's lives. She also says that she's not concerned about open borders. Again, this person was a reporter for The New York Times. You, you think bias doesn't matter? It absolutely matters.
5: There were some minds over the past three years that there were more illegals coming into our border than children being born in the U.S. Is that not does that not look like they're trying to replace us? I guess
6: i um, sort of imagining America a whole
5: as new a, a melting pot. Isn't that sort of what America was founded? No, in? but they're, they're actually bringing in more people than are actually being
0: born. And the point that Chaya is making here is that they're not assimilating. And in fact, the left-wing position is that people should not assimilate. Finally, here's the best part. Taylor Lorenz, again, member of the media. The media is deeply reliant on the fact that you are not held responsible for the acts of people who read your work. If that were true, the media literally could not exist. It would not be possible. She says she wants Chaya to be responsible for anyone who watches her content now.
6: Do you think that there's a difference between doing journalism on a completely private figure that has no public presence and no institutional power
5: versus reporting on a powerful public institution or person? You still didn't answer the question. Is the journalist responsible for reporting for any actions that happen after the reporting? Personally, I think that journalists should take care and should should,
6: you know, should consider sort of the framing, and I think that they should do their best not to it, not to appear as if they encourage that sort of behavior. I haven't. I've no, noticed that you haven't necessarily publicly condemned that behavior. Publicly told your supporters, "Listen, guys, stop. You know, stop calling in these bomb
5: threats." Who said it's my followers? Do you, do you have information that it's my followers? Um, I guess who, who else's followers would it be? I don't know. So you There's three hundred million people in this country. So you post
6: bomb threats follow, and you're saying it might be just unrelated people. I have no idea.
0: I mean, that's correct. That's crazy. So Taylor Lorenz, she's supposed to be a journalist. And her standard is it must be somebody I believe that it is without any evidence. And, and you should you should apologize for that. Totally insane. And these are the people in the legacy media. There's a reason we all hate the legacy media. It's hard to think of people who are worse than the legacy media, to be totally honest with you. I mean, and, and it's across the board, just the disconnect, the disconnect between our legacy media and the American public is utterly wild. For example, here is a political reporter on MSNBC explaining that anyone who believes in God-given rights is actually a Christian nationalist. So this is what the left does. They take an actual term, and then they broaden out the definition to, ex- to, to include everyone they hate, right? So white supremacy is a term with a meaning. And then they, ex- they, they expand that out to include anyone who thinks, for example, that meritocracy is good. You're now a white supremacist. So Christian nationalism is a term with an actual meaning. And what it typically means is something akin to theocracy. That law should be Christian in orientation, not just that it should take its values from Christianity, which is something that I generally agree with in the United States, not that you should be mandated to go to church because there is a separation of church and state to that extent, but that the moral underpinning of the United States of America is rooted in Christian theology. I mean, there's no question that that is true. I mean, by the way, so is secularism in, in the West. Their roots historically in Christianity, clearly. But what they say is that Christian nationalism means anything that invokes God is now Christian nationalism. So that's how you end up with this idiotic reporter, Heidi Prisbila, trying to claim that the Declaration of Independence is a Christian nationalist document.
2: The one thing that unites all of them, because there's many different groups orbiting Trump, but the thing that unites them as Christian nationalists, not Christians, by the way, because Christian nationalists is very different, Mm -hmm. is that they believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress. They don't come from the Supreme Court. They come from God.
0: You mean like the Declaration of Independence? That's literally the Declaration of Independence. She's, She's calling a Christian nationalist document now. Because again, if you are on the right, you are just whatever is the evil term of the day. By the way, the corollary to what she's saying is that The only way to be not a Christian nationalist is to believe that rights come from government, that the government grants you rights, which, of course, is ridiculous because that assumes that all power innately resides not with the people, not with individuals, not with families, not with communities, but with the government. That's not the way that it works. The entire basis for American government is that we granted government certain specified powers in the Constitution of the United States, specified powers, not unlimited powers, and that we reserve rights to ourselves, and that if the government invades those rights, the government has failed to do its job and, in fact, has destroyed its reason for existence. But that's now, I guess, a, a Christian nationalist perspective. So good news, guys. I guess uh, I'm now a Christian nationalist if that's the way that that works. All righty, folks, in just one second, we'll jump into the SNL episode starring Shane Gillis. It had some, it had some moments. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free...